Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, the Nets have lost eight in a row. With all the talks swirling around James Harden, where does Brooklyn go from here? And the Cavs, they acquired Karis LeVert ahead of Thursday's trade deadline. Who will be the most active team this week? Our insiders, they're going to tell you. Plus, Russell Westbrook was benched in overtime on Saturday. How should the Lakers handle Russ going forward? All of that and more. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews, joined in studio by our senior writer, Zach Lowe, two-time WNBA All-Star Chanae Agumake, and NBA champion Richard Jefferson. We're also going to have a bunch of reporters stopping by throughout the entire show. That includes Woj in just a moment. But we have to start with Brooklyn because the Nets and the Nuggets, they played last night in Denver. Reigning MVP Nikola Jokic, he dropped a triple-double in the win. And Kyrie led the Nets with 27 points as the Nets dropped their eighth straight game. So here's coach Steve Nash and Kyrie Irving addressing the James Harden trade chatter. Take a listen. With the trade deadline coming up Thursday, have you had any, I guess, further conversations with him about where you guys stand or even where his mindset is? No, no. I've talked to James. He wants to be here. You know, he wants to be here long term as well. So I don't think anything's changed other than noise from the outside. Uh, James wants to be here. We're building with James and we think we have the best chance to win with James. I think James can speak better to that than I can. How all those kind of media plants start going around with rumors and stuff like that, I really do not concern myself with that. So, um, you know, the few conversations that we've had, uh, he's been really committed. And, um, you know, we just hold him to his word. There's a good chance we're in the plan uh, after the All-Star break. There's, you know, we're we're not going to panic. I mean, very high. So for more on the Nets, we have our senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski joining us. And Woj, today you and Ramona Shelburne put out a story that details the conversation between Nets GM Sean Marks and Sixers president Daryl Morey. Can you take us inside how that discussion went? Well, Malika, this was about a month ago you know, when teams are kind of just you know, calling around the league, getting a sense of uh, kind of the questions they ask each other is, who do you like on my roster? And and, and here's who I like on your roster. And, you know, they, they had that conversation. And then, you know, Daryl Morey kind of cut to the chase and asked him to, to talk about James. And I was told that Sean Marks asked him, James who? Because there are two Jameses on the Nets roster, James Johnson, James Harden. Of course, uh, Daryl Morey told him James Harden, and he was flatly told no. There would not be a conversation on Harden. But... We're a month later, and the Nets have lost eight games in a row. Mm. Uh, as Steve Nash said, they're hovering around the play-in. And it might be a different phone call if Daryl Morey or Elton Brand, Philly's GM, calls Brooklyn now. Um, but certainly, uh, they shut them down a month ago. And Brooklyn is trying to take James Harden at his word, that he wants to be there, that he is committed to this team. Um, but... 
listen, there's still 72 hours till this trade deadline. Uh, you know, Philadelphia, we know they covet James Harden. They could make a push for him now. They could wait until after the season um, and and try to get at him either in free agency or in a trade with Brooklyn. Absolutely. And we're just three days away from that trade deadline. Woj, thank you so much. We're going to see you back in just a minute to dive into the Karis LeVert trade. But I do want to stick with James Harden here because when I was reading this piece from Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne, the thing that stood out to me the most in their reporting was that James Harden and his manager, they are looking for an agent to partner with, they reported. And the last time he did that, that was when he was navigating leaving Houston and he worked with Wasserman. So, Richard, do you see the Nets and Harden having a long term partnership here I, I do I I think so I, I think obviously with everything that's going on I think the Kyrie situation I Kevin Durant's injury there's just been a lot there's been an unusual year and, and then going into free agency we've seen that happen with a ton of players even marquee players we were talking about it with Giannis you know all these marquee players when their name comes up they're going to be mentioned everywhere and so I'm not surprised that the Nets are like dude no James is our guy we're not going to because even if you have a conversation and all of a sudden it seems like you're looking for something to do with James so you're like no that's a non-starter so I think Brooklyn is a hundred percent committed to to, to, uh, to James and it's just a matter of James is going to be committed to them in this offseason well that's a big matter if James yeah. is going to be committed to them in this offseason he didn't sign an extension it's not a great sign that uh, Daryl Morey is calling about James Harden because he wouldn't call if he didn't think he had a shot it's not a great sign that in the Woj and Ramona story they say things like, well, the Nets are taking James at his word that his hamstring injury is a real injury and this and that. Like, that's not a great sign either. That said, there's just such a soap opera in Brooklyn. When those three play together, they are awesome and they fit well. So if I'm the Nets, I think, look, Kevin Durant's coming back after All-Star. Kyrie will see if he can play home games or not. Like, we hope it takes care of itself, but long-term, it's never, ever been as murky to me as it is right now. And you pointed out something really important, Malika. The last time the agency came up, when it came to his deal in Houston, trying to leave, like, people might say, oh, he must try to leave now, too, because he's looking for agents. That's not necessarily, you know, uh, the case at all times, meaning... Maybe he just wants to make sure that this next deal is the best deal for him, not necessarily meaning, hey, I'm trying to leave. I think at the bare minimum, the Nets know that they're better with James Harden playing basketball for him than potentially risking, piss well, I don't know, I was like, making him mad. So <laughs> making him mad so much that now he's gone and you're not guaranteed another star to pair with Kyrie, who mad. may or may what, not be what, what available in KD. Why shopping him, basically shopping him. That's what he's saying. If you shop a guy and you even have that conversation, it's then all of a sudden you're like, well, why are you even talking about it if you're that committed? Well, and I sat down with James Harden at the beginning of the season, and he said to me, look, I've never tested free agency before. That's something that's interesting. But he also said winning cures everything. But those are at polar opposites for the Brooklyn Nets right now because they ended 2021. They were at the top of the East. And then, remember Kevin Durant, he got hurt in January. They were the second seed then. But now, after an eight-game losing streak, they've fallen all the way to seventh place, and that would put them in the play-in tournament. So, Richard, you cover the Nets locally. What's the likelihood that they're going to end up in the play-in? I think extremely low. Well, to me, I think getting Kyrie back, there's obviously an adjustment period. James Harden also missed time over this stretch. They've been on the road this entire time. And then Kevin Durant, maybe the guy that at the time of his injury was probably the leading candidate. I think Joel Embiid has probably surpassed him. But KD was leading the league in scoring, was doing everything that you can imagine a player can do in the fourth quarter, was balling. And now all of a sudden he's out, they're on the road, things are going tough, and now they've had a little bit of a losing streak. 
I just think that the Nets will be in that 4-5 spot if they can get going, and I think that they don't fear anyone if they're at 100% health. And, and let's be real, this is right now the worst of the worst case scenarios for the Brooklyn Nets because, you know, if you're trying to find bright spots, Kyrie at least has been pretty consistent in putting up numbers, even if he's taking a lot of shots. Blake Griffin getting back to what we see, those double-double type of efforts, and Patty Mills. I mean, you can't say enough good things about Patty Mills, and so you hope that James's hamstring is better, and then KD comes back after All-Star. Kyrie is, you know, finding some synergy. Fingers crossed that maybe there's an availability come down the stretch of the season. You never know. Um, but right now, I think it's raining. It's really pouring in Brooklyn, but the reality is they could really turn this around so much so that they could be in a top four state. Well, and we're having this conversation, right, because Steve Nash said there's a high probability that we're going to be in a play-in spot when we are going into the All-Star break. That's where this is spurring from, Zach. They're in the play-in spot right now. Right. There's a high probability right now with 100% probability. <laughs> They're in the play-in spot. I admire your, your guys' optimism because I think this is closer to 50-50 than you guys are saying it is. First of all, the math sites, the projection sites, has it as better than 50-50 that they're in the play-in. And look, they're three games out in the loss column now of four and five. Like, they're not that close to four and five. Toronto is one game ahead of them in six. Toronto is going to try to upgrade at the trade deadline. They're not going anywhere. Boston's not going anywhere. Look, recent evidence suggests they can't beat anybody with one of the three available. They're struggling to beat anybody with two of the three available when the one that's not available is Kevin Durant. Still, if I had to predict, I predict they get out of the play and into the top six just because Durant is going to come back soon. Right. That would, in, in, in my view, that would inspire James Harden to say, okay, our team's getting back together. Let me amp up my effort. And it's just hard to see that team not making the top six, but it's going to be tight. They have too much talent. It's really hard to see them falling out of the top six, and perhaps they make a move, but there are some teams that are already making moves because trade season, it's already Woo. begun. The Cavs, they acquired Karis LeVert yesterday for Ricky Rubio's expiring contract and some picks. You can see the full trade here on the screen, but in to give us some more details on that trade, Woj is back with us. So, Woj, what does this trade from the Cavs signal to the league? Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Well, Malika, in the short and long term, this is a tremendous pickup for Cleveland. Yeah. And, you know, Karis LeVert's 27 years old. He fits into the timeline with this young uh, Cavs team with most of their best players not even near their prime yet. And this is a team that's knocking on the door of first place in the Eastern Conference. But LeVert gives them a dimension Certainly offensively, his ability to get to the rim, get downhill, um, that for the Cavs has been, you know, a part of their uh, offensive arsenal um, that they haven't had. They're, I think they're very bottom of the league at, at, at drives to the basket and scoring. And Lavert's from the state of Ohio. He is thrilled to be there. He's got a year left on his contract. And I think you could expect Cleveland uh, this offseason to look at trying, you know, to get ahead of it with him working on an extension and I think not just in the years to come this is a formidable Cavaliers team right now in this season and Levert for them at the at, ahead of the trade deadline 
for that Ricky Rubio expiring deal. We all have real concerns when Rubio went down, how it would impact this team. He was so important to them. And you've seen this team carry on and continue to play at a really high level, certainly at the very top in the league defensively. Not to mention reuniting Karis LeVert and Jared Allen Woj. Thank you so much. You'll be back later in the show. But I want to come back with the panel here because, Zach, what are your takeaways from this trade? Fair trade for both teams. Indiana got two okay picks for a guy that was on the block. Short-term, no-brainer. Cleveland needs guards. They need to ease the load on Darius Garland, who deserved to make the All-Star team, by the way. He's had a great season. Absolutely. Long-term, to me, is more interesting because Karis LeVert's eligible for an extension this summer. How much are you willing to pay him? And what does this mean for Colin Sexton? Remember Colin Sexton? Yeah. Is he just gone now? <laughs> I'm assuming that he's probably going to be gone from Cleveland, but this this would indicate that. But who knows? Long-term, do you overcommit to Karis LeVert? Is that a contract you come to regret? I don't know. But short-term, hey, look, no one's going to want to mess with this team in the playoffs. They're young. They're hungry. They're big. They're tough. Like, they're, they up, they upgraded here. And they're creating their own identity on their own, you know, outside of the legacy of LeBron James in Cleveland, which is fun because they've started from scratch. If you told me that this team, which is already in the East, number one in defensive rating, I think third in assists per game, fourth in rebounds per game, now adds a almost 20 points per game scorer in Karis LeVert that can get jiggy with it on the outside, like, that is a win. You like that? Get jiggy with it? Okay, that was much more. That's my generation. Much more. That's my generation. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm sorry. I loved it. What she said was perfect. She said everything I was going to say. Look, the the, the one thing that the Cavs were missing, they had all the size. You have Evan Mobley. You have uh, Laurie Martin. You got Kevin Love embracing his role, coming off the bench. I was extremely nervous about what was going to happen with Rubio because Garland needed a little bit more maturity and experience. Not in a negative way, but just closing games, finish that. And Rubio was always that safety net. We'll get Rubio in there. He's a great defender. He's going to get everyone involved. But Darius Garland upped his game when Rubio went out, and that was something that people weren't sure about. The one one thing that I was going to say that they are missing is literally a wing elite score. And that's what Karis LeVert is. He is an elite score that you can give him the ball at the end of the game and say, go get us a bucket. Look, Darius Garland is a playmaker. He can score. He can do some things. LeVert can just go get it. And so I think in the short term, this is great. Long term, I, do you overcommit to him? And with, you know, he does have some injury history. Yep. And so, like, that's the one thing. But if he finishes the season strong, I would ride with Karis. Not to mention that Evan Mobley is in the conversation for rookie. He is rookie of the, of the year. Okay, according to Richard, he is rookie he of the is year. Rookie We're going to be diving into the East, though, much more as the show continues. Coming up on NBA Today, there are five yeah. teams that are separated by just a game and a half at the top of the Eastern Conference. But which team would you trust the most? We'll tell you. And Russell Westbrook, he was booed at his home arena on Saturday. So we'll discuss strategies for the Lakers going forward Ooh. with Russ. Plus, it is the best of the best from this weekend, the top of the top. You know John Moran is always involved. You're watching NBA Today. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Live from Los Angeles. Welcome back to NBA Today. 
Welcome back. There was an epic duel between Joel Embiid and DeMar DeRozan last night. They were just duking it out all game long. There you are. You see them 76ers against the Bulls. Richard, this was an offensive show. Look, I'm sorry. I've been watching a lot of basketball for a lot of years, and some of the moves that I'm starting to see Joel Embiid whip out, there's not many players, let alone big men, that can do it. But DeMar DeRozan, he was just absolutely impressive. He was battling, trying to keep his team in it. But there's nothing you can do. When your big man can hit a Euro sidestep and then go dunk it, that's just difficult. But look at this right here. Little floater taking his time. Whatever you want from DeMar. And he had 26 points in the first half. That's a career high in the first half. But, you know, Joel Embiid, he had answers all night long. Let's go ahead to the fourth quarter. Look, when we uh, – I just did the Dallas-Philly game, and Joel Embiid is trying to be the MVP. He understands what that takes, but DeMar DeRozan, all-star starter. This man is leading this Chicago Bulls team like a veteran should, but sometimes you just go against a big fella that can do too much, and it's just you don't even know what to say because look at this. It's just too big. He's too agile. He's too mobile. Then he gets into his bag. He's already the biggest, strongest guy, and now he's hitting you with step backs? Like, come on. At this point in time, I'm starting to get frustrated for the other team. Well, Embiid finished with 40 points, 10 rebounds. I want to say that's light work for him. He's been doing that all season long. But look, take a look at the Eastern Conference standings here because five teams at the top, they're separated by just a game and a half. And then the top eight, they're separated by just four and a half game. So I want to bring in our panel of Richard Jefferson, Shanae Gumake, and our friend Kendrick Perkins. And I want to start with you, Perk. What team do you trust the most in the East right now? Let me hear this nonsense. Oh, this hard. This hard. No, it's not nonsense. Not at all. I'm going, I'm going with the team that was in the finals two years ago representing the East. The guys that's going to be waiting on you in the back alley with a ski mask on. That's them goons from Dade County. Look, when you talk about the Miami Heat, when you talk about the Miami Heat, we're talking about arguably the best starting defensive five in the NBA. When it comes down to defense, they cross all, they check all the boxes. They have shooting and and, and uh, Duncan Robinson. They have a stud coming off a of bench and Tyler Hero. We already know what Jimmy Buckets could do on both ends of the floor. They have everything you want in the big and bam out of the bio. He, he's able to switch one through five defensively. He got nice post work. He got everything. Live thread at the basket. Best coach in basketball. And on top yes. of that, they got leadership. UD, Udonis Haslam, holding everybody accountable. That was a nonsense, Richard. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was a, it, look, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. At the end of the day, the Milwaukee Bucks are the yeah. most trusted team. Why? Because they've been the most consistent team. Look, maybe not in the postseason, but over the last four seasons, they have been the most consistent team. Then you add what they were able to do in the finals and finally getting that monkey off of their back. When their big three plays, they are absolutely elite. My one question is with no Brooke Lopez, right? That's the one question. He was a stretch five. He was great defensively. He opened the floor and allowed Milwaukee Bucks to just be a more physical, you know, size, and it was just dominant. So that is the team that I trust the most. I like Miami, but you can't count out the defending champions. You know, I just mentioned the Cleveland Cavaliers is the best defense in the East. Well, to add to your point, Richard, and I'm so mad that I have to agree with Richard Perk. I'm sorry, bro, bro. But the best offense in the East is the Milwaukee Bucks, and they have seven players that are almost averaging double figures, led by Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's on cruise control. Anytime he steps on the floor, I know we're celebrating Joel Embiid and John Morant and all these great players right now, but it's just easy for Giannis to, you know, go out there and get a huge double-double. So the Bucks have few questions. 
the motivation for them to repeat, that'll be interesting to follow. Man, I'm sorry, Perk, but it's yeah. going to be 3-1 lead. I'm yeah. going with the Milwaukee Bucks, Look, too. I, Defending champs. I feel sorry for y'all lost because go look at what the Milwaukee Bucks has done when they faced the Miami Heat this season. They swept look at last year in the first round? Go talk Go look at Giannis. Go look at Giannis' numbers this season against the Miami Heat. They are ridiculous, and I'm not talking about in a good way. But look, yeah, they swept <laughs> the Miami Heat. But that's but that's before that's before they got Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker. See, Milwaukee Bucks took PJ Tucker for granted. I'm telling you that right now. Hmm. And then you let him go to Miami. Down there where he fits perfectly well in the culture. And by the way, one person we forgetting about is Victor Oladipo. He haven't even been back yet. And he's on the he's on the verge of coming back for the Miami Heat. So now they get even stronger. I did say the Miami Heat are the most dangerous team in the Eastern Conference. You did Malika. I believe that, but the Milwaukee Bucks are Don't the team. Don't shout out of the fence. They're the team to beat. Don't the Milwaukee Bucks are the team to beat. All right, let's check out who was in the zone brought to you by AutoZone because Jalen Brown, he threw down this vicious dunk on Mo Bamba. Oh, Ooh. my God. Oh, my goodness. All right, he led the Celtics with 26 points as they won their fifth straight game. And the Celtics, they've been hotty hot hot since the start of 2022. Celtics, they're getting it done on the defensive end. Since January 1st, Boston leads the NBA in defensive efficiency and is holding opponents to 42% from the field. That is also the best in the league. But this is the time of year when literally every single team is trying to get better. That's because it is trade deadline week. And we're officially three days away from the trade deadline. So I want to bring back in senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski to check on some key hotspots here. And Woj, I want to start with two players who've garnered some trade attention where to talk stand around Pistons' Jeremy Grant and Blazers' C.J. McCollum? Emily, let's start with Jeremy Grant in Detroit. And remember, he's got another year on his contract. This is a Detroit team um, that is perfectly willing to wait at the draft into the offseason with uh, Jeremy Grant. If, if the trade deadline were in an hour, I'm told they don't really have anything right now that they'd be ready to move on. But you know how this goes. You know, often teams will withhold, you know, their best offers. Teams will start to lower their asking price as we get closer on Thursday. But C.J. McCollum in Portland, I think a couple teams uh, have been fairly aggressive in their pursuit. New Orleans, the New York Knicks. And, listen, McCollum has a lot of value around this league. You know what you're getting with him. This is a player who... Uh, adds a lot of maturity to any locker room he's in. You know, certainly a, a dynamic offensive player. And so I think for uh, Portland, you saw them get off, you know, significant salary with the Norman Powell trade and moving Robert Covington out. And so I think right now they can wait and see what is the package that they would want to get back for McCollum. But they're very much engaged in talks. I think by the end of the trade deadline, it's going to be a very different looking uh Portland Trailblazers roster. Mm. Well, C.J. McCollum certainly adds a lot to any team he ends up on. But what's a pivotal deadline team right now? The Indiana Pacers. And listen, Miles Turner was a player that I think we thought there was a very good chance he'd move at the deadline. But that uh, 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 injury. Uh, Trying to remember the injury. Yeah. The, well, the uh, the, the foot, yeah, injury foot injury that he has. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name. I'm, I'm losing track of all my injuries. <laughs> but that slowed down. That slowed down 
uh, trade talks with him. It's still possible he could move. Um, but, you know, Domus Sabonis is another player. Washington would love to get at Sabonis. Uh, they may not have the assets to do that deal right now. Uh, what Indiana is trying to figure out is, are they going into a full rebuild? You know, they potentially, now they're going to have two first-round picks right. in this coming draft, their own, which would be a high lottery pick, Cleveland's, that they picked up. And, you know, they're going to move Chris Dorte in. He'll play a bigger role as they move Karis LeVert out. But they could use all these assets to go out, maybe get a, a more prominent player. They could also, you know, continue to kind of dismantle this roster, uh, get assets, young players, draft picks. Uh, and the Ricky Rubio expiring contract that they got in the Karis LeVert trade, uh, about $18 million, that's showing itself to have value around the league, I'm told. You know, plenty of teams who, if they can get the expiring contract of Rubio, perhaps the expiring contract of a Joe Ingles, both of whom who are out for the rest of the season, yep. you know, those are teams who are trying to gather up cap space for the summer for free agency. That's where the value of those uh, contracts are. And so the Pacers are probably going to be able to flip that Rubio contract and get back some more assets uh, as they kind of reshape this roster, uh, as, they kinda, as they start out this Rick Carlisle era. In Indiana. Absolutely. We'll be keeping a close eye on the Pacers and for stress Miles reaction. Turner. Stress it's a stress reaction, reaction in his left foot. Absolutely. Miles Turner. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> we know you are busy, busy this week. You're going to be back with us a whole lot. Thank you so much for joining us on NBA Today. Coming up, the Lakers, they have a dilemma on their hands. How should they use Russell Westbrook going forward? That's coming up in our next segment. And two stars, they are forever linked. Luca and Trey, they went head to head last night, but who would you rather have on your team? Richard Jefferson is going to tell you what he thinks about that. Plus, it is the top of the top from this weekend. Will your favorite play make the cut? Stick around for more on NBA Today. Welcome to a beautiful day in Los Angeles. LeBron James returns after a five-game absence. Randall goes inside for the slam. What you do, boy? The Knicks are back. This feels good to be out there with my teammates. It was a great win for us. Man. Welcome back. I'm here with Zach, Perk, Richard, and Chene. So, Chene, we just saw the comeback on Saturday, but was it more about the Lakers or was it more about the Knicks? Sorry, Knicks. It's more about the Lakers. And, you know, a lot of people watch the game and say, oh, my gosh, 28 <laughs> points, 29 points from AD and LeBron, respectively. But what I actually really enjoyed was how bad they wanted it, and it showed in defensive rebounding. Both of those guys had 10 rebounds. I think AD finished with 17, LeBron with 13 overall, but 10 defensive rebounds. That means the Lakers were finally getting back to what they do best, defending and ending possessions. So when I watched that game transpire, I was like, okay, they're really doing everything they need to win, not just putting the ball in the basket, but the little things. Also, mind you, LeBron James had uh, 10 assists on the night. We've always said this team is better when he controls the ball. And he played 40 minutes. So if you're worried about LeBron James' durability, 40 minutes, 30 points nearly, plus 13 rebounds, and AD looking like a beast, 28 and 17, you have to feel good about the Lakers. Yeah, we've scrutinized the Lakers a lot. We've had a little fun at their expense this year, but this was about the Lakers. I agree with Chanae. It was about defense. They came out of the locker room, totally a different team, 
LeBron and AD set the tone. They were on a string. They were playing hard. All those transition buckets the Knicks got in the first half, their game plan was clear. We don't think this team's getting back on defense. Run, run, run. The Lakers took all that away. LeBron and AD were monsters. And Malik Monk off the bench was huge. So I'm giving the Lakers credit. Sorry, Knicks. Well, one thing, one thing that the Knicks said that they could take with them. I was at that game. I listened to their postgame comments. And, and R.J. Barrett told me that he thinks playing with that kind of pace, that's something that they can take on the road trip that they're on. Because this was a night that R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle both got going. We haven't seen that a whole lot this season. R.J. Barrett has been playing pretty well since he came back from his illness. But we haven't seen both of those guys get going. R.J. Barrett had 17 points in the first quarter. And then, obviously, we saw what happened at halftime. But Russell Westbrook, he was benched for overtime in the Lakers' win. And he took questions and said that, all right, all the right things. That's what he was saying. And credit to him for speaking to reporters after the game like that because not every player does it. But here was the home crowd reaction on a couple of plays during the game. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Westbrook off the glass, badly misses. You hear the groans from the crowd. He's hearing some booze. Not the first time this year. Westbrook thought about it. Crowd kind of telling him no, and he missed it. So in that play, we just saw the crowd. I was there. They were literally yelling at him, don't shoot the ball. So, Perk, what's next for the Lakers and Russ after what happened this weekend? <clears throat> well, it's a lot to unfold right now, and, and I'm not going to lie. Russell Westbrook looks broken. And when I say that, I never see I never seen him lack this much confidence as a, as, as a player. Forget the shooting. His spirit is just not there. And I'm not trying to talk down on him, but he don't have his swag no more. And so here's the thing. Russell Westbrook got to figure it out himself. Frank Vogel did the right thing. He was not playing well. He did the right thing. We're rolling with the lineup. He rolled with no T. And I just think Russ has to get back to not overthinking things, playing his game. But at the end of the day, he the one got to earn. He has to make sure he does his job to earn the trust of his coaching staff and his teammates. Because right now, it goes in this order. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, 1A, 1B for scoring options. And then it's Malik Monk. And so Russell Westbrook has to find his way back into things. But I can't lie. It's sad to see because he actually looked broken right now. He's lost for confidence. No, no, I, I completely agree with Perk, and I know that this is rare because as a player, you understand those moments when you're in that spot where, like, it doesn't matter if you go in the gym and shoot 500 shots. It doesn't matter how much you work, how much you train. You don't question whether or not he's in shape. The man just always handles, you know, the game with a certain level of professionalism and intensity. But this right here is about performance. All of our jobs in professional sports are based on performance. This is not performing. Now, a lot of great players will get a little bit of a leeway because you can have a bad first half and then you get to the fourth quarter. But consistently, he struggled in the fourth quarter. So if you've done this one through three, I'm not going to play you 
in the fourth. But to, to uh, Perk's point, this is about LeBron James. This is about Anthony Davis. It was supposed to be maybe Anthony Davis and LeBron James, but LeBron James has been covering the weight. At the end of the day, in order for LeBron to be successful, he needs shooters around him. That is what it's always been and it always will be. So if you're trying to win a game and you got LeBron James and you got Anthony Davis, you got to support him with shooters. You can't have a non-shooter on the floor or a non-playmaker on the floor. And in that fourth quarter, that's what, that is what Russell has become. Look, the question we're all supposed to be answering is, what are they supposed to do with Russell Westbrook? And to me, I don't think it, I think it's too soon to say bring him off the bench for this reason. The Lakers are still, through all these trials and tribulations, plus seven per 100 possessions when their big three play without a center. So with that, I'm sticking him in the starting five. But you have to stagger him with LeBron more. And what that really means is you just have to play him less. He's playing 35 minutes a game. That's too many minutes if he's going to play like he's been playing. And if you're going to continue to start him, what that means is exactly what RJ just said. You're going to have to bench him or not play him as much when he's not playing well. And by the way, what Frank Vogel did in overtime the other day was totally non-controversial. Russell Westbrook was playing horribly. He didn't deserve to be on the floor, and they won the game. And he said he was okay with it. Russell Westbrook said as long as we win the game, then, you know... And, and and to double down, unfortunately, on what you know Richard said again, uh, non-shooter or non-playmaker, you have to be able to do those things to be on the floor with LeBron James. And I do think that this is where, as a player, if you're playing less minutes to Zach's credit, all right, maybe you're not shooting the ball well. How do you become a playmaker? Not just wheeling and dealing the ball around. He minimized the turnovers, but maybe if the shot's not going, you use those screen assists, find different ways to get going. I think that's the transition that Russ is struggling with right now. Well, and we are going to be able to dive a little bit more into this as the week progresses. We know that Russell Westbrook is not necessarily a player that we are circling to be on the move this week, but we get to cover the entire trade deadline. Maybe there are some perimeter moves that the Lakers can make to improve just a little bit. Coming up on NBA Today, Luka Doncic and Trey Young, they went head-to-head last night. So who would you rather have on your team long-term? Richard, you going to answer that one? Oh, 100%, but I'll figure it out when we get back. Cynthia Marshall has been making history since college when she became the first black cheerleader at Cal Berkeley. When she joined the Dallas Mavericks in 2018, she became the first black female chief executive officer in the NBA. NBA Today is brought to you by Horizon Forbidden West, rated T for Teen. Welcome back to NBA Today. Let's go coast to coast on last night's action. And we're going to start with the Clippers. They lost to the Bucks, but their newest player, Norman Powell, he led them in scoring with 28 points in 24 minutes off the bench. It was his first game with the team. So, Chanae, how dangerous is this Clippers team when they're fully healthy? And- oh, dangerous, okay? And I love the effort that Norm Powell gave because he came off the bench first game. You can have jitters. You're back in, you know, California. You're happy to be home. But, you know, this was actually the game. The story of the game was like this was a defending champs-esque performance for the Bucks, their starting five accounted for 114 points. The Clippers, Ooh. the Clippers put up 113 to put that into context. So if you're looking for a bright spot, it's absolutely Norm. Everyone was raving about his three-level scoring ability, coming uh, shooting nine for 16 from the field. I think four for eight from three, and they're just marveling at the fact that when you have Paul George who can go off the dribble, when you have Kawhi Leonard healthy and he can obviously do anything he wants, you need someone that can space the floor and get a bucket when they kick it out. And that is exactly Norm Powell. 
well. So we're very happy that at least that's the bright spot to take away from uh, what the Bucks did to them. Well, and we know that Ty Lue said that we're not so sure about Kawhi Leonard this season, but when they get it together, whoo-wee, thank you, Chanae. And then we had a star point guard matchup. That was between Luka Doncic and Trey Young. And Luka, he put up another triple-double. Richard, it's his fourth in the last six games. But Trey, he struggled to shoot the ball. He missed all six of his attempted threes. The Mavs won. So who would you rather have on your team of those young stars? Well, I don't even think that this is really a question. At the end of the day, Luka Doncic is it's not really a question, not your question, but just not a question in terms of who you would rather want. Luka has been the MVP favorite going into the last season. This year, he was off to a little bit of a slow start. I think the Olympics, I think he was rest versus like trying to make sure he was in great shape, but he is balling right now. What he is doing and the defense that Jason Kidd has his Dallas Mavericks team playing is elite. So you add that to what Luka is doing. Luka had two dunks in the game against Philly, going right at their defense. One-handed, had a two-handed dunk, so it looks like he's got his athleticism back. I love Trey. Trey is going to be an elite guard for the next decade plus, but Luka brings something different. He brings the ability to do it on, on I won't say both ends of the floor, but he can <laughs> impact the game. He can impact the game on the offensive end in a way that only three or four players can do. I don't know, though. Trey, he has some soft Trey's nice. plays. Richard, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, let's go to the Big Easy because the Pelicans, they beat the Rockets behind Brandon Ingram's 33 points and 12 assists, which tied a career high. He's also the Western Conference Player of the Week, by the way, Zach. But New Orleans, they've won three in a row now, and they've quietly been playing some pretty good basketball. So do you think they can sneak into the play-in tournament here? Sneak in. They're in it now, and no one behind them is exactly going gangbusters. Half of the teams are trying to lose, and the other half stinks. Look, some idiot on this show, me, suggested when the Pelicans were 1-12 and and Zion had a setback that they should tank the season. And the Pelicans have proven me to be a real idiot because they're playing hard. They've got something with that Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Herb Jones. Not on Herb. Herb Jones trio in the starting lineup. They're playing really, really well. All credit to them. They fought for their season and they salvaged it. I appreciate the accountability that you were taking on this show, Zach, because, yeah, they have been balling as of late. And you can see 1-12 to start the season. And since then... Look where they have ended up. My goodness. All right. Well, coming up on NBA Today, this dunk from LeBron, it didn't quite count. You're going to see it in just a second. But it still made our top of the top from the weekend. Find out what other plays made the cut on the other side of this break. Woo! My goodness, LeBron. Here's our star-studded NBA Wednesday doubleheader on ESPN and the app. The Bulls take on LaMelo and the Hornets at 7.30 Eastern. And then the Warriors, they face the Jazz. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 o'clock Eastern. And here, this is our NBA Saturday primetime matchup. The Lakers, they take on the Warriors. Our coverage begins with NBA Countdown at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC and the ESPN app. Welcome back to NBA Today. Now joining me is our senior writer for the undefeated Mark Spears. And Mark, we touched on the ramifications of the Karis LeVert trade earlier in the show, but tell us, how did it come about? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Well, the Cavaliers are actually looking into getting to Levert as early as early January. 
and uh, finally got it done, brought the Ohio native home. And uh, it was weird because he hears it a trade when he arrives to the arena to play against his new team, the Cavaliers. And because the trade wasn't official, didn't make any sense for him to stick around. So he just went back to the team hotel and waited for things to be uh, official. Meanwhile, the Pacers coach Rick Carlisle and assistant coach Lloyd Pierce, they told J.B. Bickerstaff, the coach of the Cavaliers, that they are not only getting a great player, but a great guy. Um, after the Cavaliers had a comeback to beat Indiana, J.B. Bickerstaff got on the phone, called his new player last night. They talked for about 10 minutes and both expressed um, excitement about uh, joining forces with the Cavaliers. Uh, Levert. He went through physicals today, met with the Cavaliers training staff. The trade is now official, and he will practice tomorrow. And if everything goes well, he will suit up against the Spurs in Cleveland on Wednesday. It's funny how that works out when the Pacers were playing the Cavaliers <laughs> at 6 o'clock Eastern, and all of a sudden, wait, I need to swap jerseys. Mark Spears, thank you, as always, for joining NBA Today. It is always good to see you, my friend. All right, folks, it's time. Let's do it. Uh, it's the top uh, of the top. We gotta go. You anyway, there was so much going on around the league that we have to oh. go around the event. Did I break it? Did I break it? What do we got? Acrobatics? We got the old man. Acrobatics. You, you ready? Yeah, oh, let's go. Ready. All right, we're gonna start with. I'm not gonna call this. Doesn't the even old count. Man. This doesn't even count. But it should though. What? No, it shouldn't. It, it should. It Why not? First of all, he missed nine weeks. If it's like so it's about time he played. Yeah. Okay, that's impressive. That I, can't, I can't handle this right. one. This and one didn't count either, so I don't care about it. We should have an extenuating circumstance. Look at even that high. It probably, it should, we're going to say all of them probably should have counted. And, and I Ooh. said to LeBron after the game, that's when we knew, you know, your he was, was fine. Probably, you were probably, all right. All right. All right, let's go to top showcase. All right, Perk. John Morant versus the Magic. Uh-oh, G12. First sweet dime. Look at that. Pick man, I, I'll tell you what, man. You want to get some highlights, play the Magic. That, that's awesome. Goodbye, Richard. Please, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Let them live. But they're well, they're a right, young but team. Sorry, Rolo. I'm sorry. Dunk on his head. John mm. Morant. Salute, sir. First Come time on. all-star. All right, but that wasn't our top poster, so let's go to top posters. Richard, you were on the call for this game, so I'm just going to... I don't know why he keeps what I'm saying. Look at me Look out. at this. Watch. I'm sorry, man. You're what? Go off! Go after Drummond. This is what I'm talking about. This is the Luka. When his athleticism oh, yeah. is this elite, when he can shoot the step back, when he can do all this stuff, that's a problem, but watch this. JB! Bo-bomba! JB! We're going to start calling him no-bomba. Re- that's what we're going to start calling it. him after Re- that dunk. Replacement What's player. He's making his can't take jokes. Y'all show me getting hung 900 times. I can't make fun of somebody else. He got dunked on. That's what happens to big man. All right. Coming up on NBA today. <laughs> how likely is it that we see James Harden for Ben Simmons this week? Brian Windhorst and Bobby Marks break it down. Back in 60 seconds. Oh, Richard. Hi, I'm Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today. And on Thursday, February 10th, tune in to our NBA trade deadline special from 1 to 4 Eastern. We're going to have all the Woj bombs, including our top NBA analysts, with insight on all trades around the league. So catch NBA Today on February 10th from 1 to 4 Eastern on ESPN. Welcome back. So to preview the trade deadline, I'm joined by our insider, Brian Windhorst, and our guru of front offices, Bobby Mark. So at the top of the show, Brian, we played some sound from Steve Nash saying that the Nets are not trading James Harden. But do people around the league believe them? Nope. <laughs> um, they definitely believe it's going to be something that is going to be discussed. I know that the Nets, according to, to Woj and Ramona, I know that the Nets and the 76ers have not directly talked to each other. But from what I understand... There's communication going on. 
through other parties. This is gonna be one of the most interesting negotiations, Bobby, that I've ever seen in my 20 years covering the NBA. Because even if it's not a deal this week, these teams could make a deal on this, this situation this summer. And there's so many different facets going on. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. I mean, this is kind of how it starts, right? Although it's not now, it could lead to something in, uh, in July. And I'm looking at teams like Portland, New Orleans, Washington. This is their free agency right now. This free agent class of players is not great. Uh, there's going to be a lack of cap space. I think teams can go out and do deals right now. If you're Certainly if you're the Pelicans, they're in the 10th seed. You can go out and improve your roster. You've got that big trade exception. This is where this is where it starts right mm. now. And Brian, we heard Woj come on the show earlier and report that there are teams that are eyeing CJ McCollum. But from the conversations that you've had, what players could be on the move this week? Well, a lot of people are trying to figure out what the Sacramento Kings are doing. Okay. The Kings have three guys in De'Aaron Fox, uh, uh, Buddy Heald, and Harrison Barnes, who would all be really good additions to uh, to teams competing for the playoffs. But depending on who they've talked to, Bobby. It's not 100% clear whether those guys are available. Sometimes it sounds like they might trade them. Sometimes it sounds like they won't trade them. But these are three guys that could really make a difference to somebody down the stretch of the season. But they all could go. None of them could go. One of them can go. I don't know. I also would definitely keep an eye on the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. I think the Bucks are going to make a deal to help get them some insurance, especially if they can get another big man. And also keep an eye on the Boston Celtics. They need to cut some salary. Interesting. What are you keeping an eye on here, Bob? Washington, right? We all know about Bradley Beal. Free agency is going to be coming up in, in July. Is there another move out there? Right now, they're not even in the play-in. So there's going to have to be a deal out there to continue to show Beal that this roster is going to improve. Brian, I know you talked about this on the Hoop Collective podcast and explored this with, with Bradley Beal, but what are your expectations for him as we get closer to the trade? So Bradley Beal is in position where he has turned down a contract extension because he wants, from what I am told, a full five-year max. That would be a 70 or so, right, Bobby? Yeah. 70 or so million dollar difference between what the Wizards could sign him for if he would go to someplace else. But obviously, if he were going to move, Bobby, if he didn't want to be in Washington and he wanted that full extra 70 million, you do the deal this week. But as of now, I don't see, I don't feel any vibrations in the league that Bradley Beal is going anywhere. Or you just wait into the offseason and you opt in to his contract and then you trade him and then he can extend six months later, similar to possibly like James Harden. You can get everything you want, the money and the preferred team you want to go to. Well, Bobby, since you are, you are our salary cap guru here, I know that there are folks watching saying, what about the Lakers? Oh. What can they <laughs> do to make any moves, maybe not around Russ, but around the perimeter to upgrade their roster? The Laker fans were not happy when I said it's all about the math, right? You don't have the contracts to go out and make a deal, so you're looking at DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, fringe moves, open up roster spots, similar to what they did with the Rondo trade. They signed Stanley Johnson, probably one of their better offseason moves. It's all about fringe moves right now. The Lakers are like every team's second or third or fourth backup option. If two or three things don't happen, all right, I guess we might be able to take this. So that Lakers are not in position to do something aggressively. They have to sort of wait for something to fall on their lap. Well, and the other team that we're going to be watching as sellers, right, is the Pacers. What is going to be happening with their pieces? Are they going to be moving them? Thank you so much to all of our guests today. NFL Live is coming up next, and we get to dive into all this again tomorrow. We'll see you then.